All right, turn in your Bibles, two passages of Scripture, Matthew 7 and Luke 6. All right, Matthew 7 and Luke 6. And, and here's what I'd like for you to do. Open to Matthew 7 and then uh, put this little um, stringy dilly. That's the official uh, title of this thing that's in your Bible. It's called a, in case you didn't know, it's called a stringy dilly. That's from the Greek, stringos dilos. Um, <laughs> If you'll put that at Luke 6, all right, because we want to turn over to Luke 6. Put that at Luke 6, and then open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And I want to show you how the blessed life relates to every and influences every area of your life, all right? Matthew chapter 7. We're going to only read two verses. I want you to look closely at these two verses, all right, so we can determine the context of these two verses. Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not, and you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay. Now, if you had to tell me what is the main subject or the main topic of the two verses that we just read, and you could only use one word, what word would you say? What is the subject of the two verses we just read? Judging. Okay, just in case you have a different opinion, let me reread just a little bit of it and emphasize one word just to show you how for sure this is the subject of what we just read. All right, I'm going to emphasize one word. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Any doubt that this is talking about judging? About every form of the way you can say the word judging, it's in there, okay? All right, so, now, I'm, I want, let me ask, ask you a question. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, we just read it. Is there anything in these verses about money? Okay, this is not a trick question, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me say it a different way, because you, you, I, you'll think, oh, well, he'll turn it to money, I know. So, all right, let me say it a different way. Is the word money in verses 1 or 2? No. It's not in there. Does everyone agree? No, I said, does everyone agree? (laughs) Everyone agrees. Okay. All right. All right. And we all agree this is talking about judging. Okay. Now, let's commit to short-term memory. Short-term. The first sentence and the last phrase of what we just read, all right? So just repeat this after me. Judge not and you will not be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, flip to Luke 6. Say, let's say them again while we're turning. Judge not and you will not be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The reason I wanted you to say that is because I'm going to read you the parallel passage in Luke 6, and I want you to notice it's the same passage, all right? Luke 6, verse 37. Luke 6, 37, first sentence. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Now look at the last phrase of verse 38. The last phrase of verse 38. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Are those the two same phrases from Matthew 7? 
Okay. This is the same passage. There's not a theologian in the world that I've ever met that does not agree that Luke 6 is the parallel passage with Matthew 7. Same sermon, Sermon on the Mount. But Luke 6, we have something we don't have in Matthew 7. Matthew was a fisherman. Luke was a physician, a little more detailed. Um, I don't know how we ever got it translated because everyone knows you can't read a physician's handwriting. But somehow... We got Luke 6. All right. So let me show you what Luke puts in there that was not in Matthew. It's the same passage, though. All right. Verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now watch verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom. Anyone ever heard that verse? For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, remind me again, what was this topic of Matthew 7? Judging. Okay, what's the topic of Luke 6? Judging. It's the same topic. It's the same subject. It's the same context. It, it, It didn't change. The reason, though, that we think that it is talking about something else, and many times we think Luke 6.38 is talking about money, is because most of the time when you hear a sermon on Luke 6.38, what's the preacher preaching on? Money, right? Okay, here's the problem with that. I I have a little pet peeve with the church, okay? My pet peeve is not that we don't understand Greek. My pet peeve is that we don't understand English. And I'm not at all condemning about this because I did not learn English either. When I went to high school and college, I didn't learn English. And then I got saved and I started preaching. And a guy came up to me one time after I preached and he said to me, You have the worst grammar of any person that I have ever heard. In my whole life. In the entire world. And and that uh, ministered to me. And um, so I learned grammar. And now I can speak it correctly. But let me tell you how it's helped me. It's actually helped me understand the Bible. There are times when I can hear someone preaching, and I think not only is that doctrinally incorrect, it's grammatically incorrect. Okay, now, let me tell you why that helps me. It helps me to understand Luke 6.38. Don't tune me out. It will be very brief. Very brief grammar lesson of Luke 6.38, all right? Luke 6.38, give is the verb. That's the action. You is the implied subject. In other words, you is not in the verse, but it's implied. That's the subject. Jesus is saying, you give. And it, it is an objective pronoun, which means there's no such thing as an it. It has to be replaced with something. So what he's saying is, you give. And whatever you give, you're going to get more back. You will be given back to you. And then he uses terms, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, which actually refers to the way a a, a Jewish poor person would fill his or her basket in a field, in the corners of the field. 
uh, uh, they used to joke about it, that uh, workers would put like a half measure in their basket because the, the more they put in their basket, the heavier it was. But a Jewish person who was a, a poor person would put a good measure, then they would press it down, then they would shake it to try to get more to go to the bottom, and then they'd put so much in that it would run over. So those are the terms he's actually using. So Jesus is simply saying, whatever it is that you give, you're going to get more back in God's economy. And if you think about that, that's true. It's the same with a, um, an apple seed. If you give an apple seed, you don't get back one apple seed. You get back an apple tree, and the tree has many apples, and each apple has many seeds. See, So you always get back more than you give. Does everyone follow that? With God. Okay. What that tells me then is that Luke 6.38 is a great verse. It's also a terrible verse. Because it depends, think about it, on what you give. As a matter of fact, if you want to look at the context, here's what Jesus says. If you give judging or judgment, you're going to get judgment back. Now, here's the bad part. Good measure. Press down. You don't hear a lot of preaching on this, do you? Shaking together and running over. And with the same measure you give it out, you'll get it back. That's what he's saying. If you give condemnation, but then he goes to give a positive. If you give forgiveness, you'll get forgiveness back. Now, the main subject, again, is judging. But can Luke 6.38 refer to money? Sure it can. Because in essence, what he says is, whatever it is that you give, you'll get back. You know, you give judgment, you get judgment back. You give um, um, kindness, you get kindness back. Uh, give um, M&Ms, you get M&Ms back. <laughs> Some of you just got an idea. <laughs> whatever you give, you get back. That's the point. That's what he's saying. But here's the problem that I have with a lot of the teaching on Luke 6.38. Luke Pastors preach Luke 6.38 as the motive for giving instead of the reward. If you back up just a little, verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks of you. And then he says, if you read 30 through 36, he says, and when you loan, don't even expect it back. In other words, Luke 6 is actually saying, give to give, not give to get. But most of the time when we hear Luke 6.38, a preacher is telling us, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. And then here's what people do. They say, well, I want to get. So I'm going to give. And I'm wondering if God is thinking to himself, oh, this is wonderful. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. That's not what giving is for. You understand who implemented giving, don't you? God. The one who doesn't need anything. You know what that tells me? God did not implement giving for Him. He implemented giving for us. When are we ever going to get to the place in the body of Christ that we give to give, that we give to build the kingdom and not to get? We've got to come to that. It's a work in our hearts that God wants to do. And we've got to understand. Let me, let me make a shocking statement to you. Let me just to shock you a little bit, all right? God doesn't bless giving. He blesses giving with the right heart. If you're giving because you're selfish and you're greedy, I don't think God blesses that. But when you're giving because you just want to help someone 
and you want to build God's kingdom on this earth, that's what God blesses. So it's a heart issue. That's the title of the message today. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, flip back to Deuteronomy 15, and let me show you how God tells them to help poor people, and in so doing, it will change their hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 15, that's uh, page 136. <laughs> I said that one time, this lady said, it is. So, yeah, whatever. Um, all right, Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your what? Heart. It's all about the heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. All right, let me tell you four things that uh, we're all going to have to do to be able to live the blessed life. All right? Number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your, what? Heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Now, here's what he's saying. In the uh, Israeli uh, economy, God implemented a system where all debts were canceled every seven years. How many of you would like to re-implement that system? And so here's what God was saying here. He understood how we think. And so he said, if someone comes and they have a need, don't even let the thought come in your mind, uh-oh, how close is the year of Jubilee? Because if I lend this to him, this money to him, and this is the sixth year, uh-oh, only one more year, he can't pay it back in 12 months, then this debt's canceled, and I'll never get it back. You know what God said? He said, that's a wicked thought. That's what he calls it. Don't let a wicked thought. God calls selfishness wickedness. And do you understand we were all born selfish? I, I think, and I've told you this before, I think that the first word that uh, babies really learn to pronunciate well is mine. 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 That's exactly the way we are. Mine. We've got to come to the place where we deal with selfishness. And hopefully, as we get older, we kind of grow out of it. I, I do have to admit, though, there is one area of selfishness, ladies, you need to know this, that men never grow out of. Men, see, we're always telling our children, share, share. We always say, we try to teach them the concept of sharing. Okay, there's one area where men do not want to share. Men do not want to share. Our food. And I don't know why, but for some reason, you women want our food. What does every woman say when you're in the drive-thru and you say to her, what do you want? What does every woman say? Nothing. I'll just have some of yours. No, you won't. Now, you won't have any of mine. I'll get you two orders of fries. 
But you're not having any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. Is that right? Point number one, deal with a selfish heart. Point number two, deal with a grieving heart. We grieve over money. Look at verse 10. You shall surely give to him and your what? Heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. Look at the promise. And in all to which you put your hand. God blesses us if we'll do this. See, selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Have you ever given a large sum to the church and then something breaks around the house? Right after you give it, something goes wrong. What's the devil do? Well, I wish you had that money back. You shouldn't give like that. You understand why the devil doesn't want you to give? You understand? Because every time you give to the kingdom, people get saved. Every time. That's why Satan hates it. Hates it more than anything. So, there's something in us. You know, sometimes I'm up, I'm up here preaching. I just had this thought. <laughs> and I probably should learn to... But I'm going to, out to eat after this, and I don't have any cash. I just sat here and thought, I don't have any cash. So I'm preaching on... Thank you. Now, that's $100. Thanks, John. All right, let's keep going. Well, that's got a strange one. You know, let's talk about that for a minute. Why, when I said I need some money, why did John get up that fast and come over and give me the money? Well, let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. It's mine. Now, is Pastor John, is, is he grieving? I hope he's not. <laughs> he's not grieving that he gave me that money because it was mine in the first place. He's just holding it for a little while, right? See, the reason we grieve over money that we lose or give or spend or is because we thought it was ours. And all the money we have comes from God. So when God asks for it, we get up immediately and we go give it to Him. Because we're really not giving it. We're just giving it back. Are you all following me? That was a good illustration, by the way, in case you didn't know. That was a good illustration. Okay, here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock. That word in the Hebrew liberally means generously. From your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. We've got to come to a place that we're, we don't only give, we not only give, we give generously. We give more than the need. We give over and above. It, it, it's like it excites us when we hear about a need. It doesn't turn us off. It excites us because we can meet that need. God's given us the resources and we can help these people. Think about these people in Guatemala in a third world country. And they got so excited to be able to, to build a better sanctuary, a larger sanctuary, so more people could get saved. And they gave generously. 
We've got to do that. But it all goes back to the heart. You have to understand, it's a matter of the heart. Matthew 6, 21. Please don't ever forget this scripture. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know that most people quote this scripture backwards? I've heard it quoted so many times backwards. I've even heard it quoted by preachers backwards. They say, you know, the Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be. No, it doesn't say that. And let me tell you why I want to make that distinction. Because it's not, it's not that your treasure follows your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. In other words, to give you a little example, if you put money in a stock, you start following that stock. You start praying for that stock. Why? Because part of your heart's there. Why is part of your heart there? Because part of your treasure's there. You see? So, it's a very simple premise. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, put your treasure there. I've even had people say, Pastor, I, I, I look around and I see these people who really, they just love God more than I do. I, I want to love God that much. I really want to just really love God. I want my heart to be in the kingdom. I say to them, start giving 20%. Oh, I don't know if I want it that much. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, very, very simple, put your treasure there. The more treasure you put into something, the more you put your heart there. If you want your heart in your family, put your treasure, your time, your money into your family. You'll have more of a heart for your marriage, more of a heart for your children. You see what I'm saying? This is a principle in Scripture. We've got to become generous givers. And here's the, the, the last point, number four, develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. When I was in Guatemala, a guy read the book, The Blessed Life. And most of you know this, too. Um, all the proceeds from The Blessed Life have gone to Gateway Church. I've not made any money off of it. One guy even said to me one time, he said, you know, I think it's ironic that you wrote a book on giving and you made a lot of money off of it. I, I couldn't even believe it. And I said to him, well, I didn't make a penny off of it, pal. I gave all the money to the church. So God has blessed the book. It's literally gone all over the world. Been number three on the bestsellers list. I, I, I wrote it in a week. It sold more than all of my other books combined. The other books I took months on. That tells you something. <clears throat> but um, this guy came up to me in Guatemala and he'd read the book. And I get this a lot. But God just reminded me of something. And here I was about to preach this to you and share with you. This guy came up to me. He said, can I ask you a question? Very sincere. I said, Sure. He said, I read the book, and in the book it's got your giving testimony about how many times you've given everything you had, all of your savings, your retirement, your house, all the, all the extravagant times you've given to the Lord. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm really sincere. I want to ask you something. He said, how, how do you do that? And when he said it, immediately I was reminded of what my life was like before I got saved. And I said to him, it's easy. If you knew my past, if you knew what God saved me out of, you'd give everything to. And I understand, I'm not setting myself up as the perfect example of giving. Please understand that. I have struggled just like you have in this area. All of us struggle. But gratitude is what produces generosity. When you allow the Lord to remind you 
the verse, and I didn't even, I didn't read the verse. I'm sorry I didn't read it. Verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I want you to notice, too, that he said, I'm commanding you to be generous. I'm commanding my people to be generous people. And he says, and if you need to know why you need to be generous, remember you were slaves. Remember you didn't own anything, and I redeemed you. That's my motivation for giving. It is not to get. It is that there's absolutely no way that I can ever pay God back for everything he's done for me. And I want every person to know the joy that I know by knowing Jesus. Listen, God really does want you to live a blessed life so you can be a blessing. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.